Uh, Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for just sustaining us and being uh, just so gracious to us. We look forward to just continuing to grow uh, in our relationship with you and what it is to be loved by you, to be known by you, to be saved by you, and to be your children. And so, Lord, uh, just give us the ability to, to see you and, and increase our joy because of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we had some questions last week about demons, and I don't want to go into great detail because we see that the unclean spirit was cast out at the Sabbath, and then we referenced uh, um, the, the man who had the unclean spirits went to the pigs, and the pigs went into the water. Uh, we, we don't know. We can't say definitively of, of where the demons if they have to have a body or not. But we know that they are part of the, the fallen angels uh, that, that, that you said whatever one you want, I'll share with you. Um, and Satan's job and his purpose is to kill and destroy, right? That's what he does. And so if, if they're not inhabiting someone's body and they're not messing with somebody, um, they're, they're not doing the job that, that, that they are to do until, and then they're going to be cast in uh, the final judgment, cast into the lake of fire. Steve? I found it interesting that right after that, though, uh, everything you're mentioning, but it says that the people come over there, they saw the whole event, and they asked Jesus. So I find that uh, interesting. Well, it would have been Gentiles in the area. They would have been pig farmers, and a lot of their... their uh, their sustenance for life just got drowned in, the, and so they're like, "Man, this guy's ruining our our uh, our lifestyle here." So um, I think that's the main thing that, that that was for there. I don't think they cared about Jesus. And we see that today when you you know start challenging people right. with Christ. You know, it it he comes in and he changes lives. Right. And I think that that's a good point. Jesus, a lot of people's perception of becoming a Christian is I have to give up everything that I enjoy. Or, and there is, a, there is a, a truth to God, Jesus being Lord, it changes things, right? He changes you. And that means that sometimes those things that you thought were what you lived for, uh, you don't need to live for them anymore. Um, and there's a permanent joy that is replaced with our temporary pleasures. Uh, and that's the battle even as Christians that we find, right? We find ourselves battling between how much I enjoy things of this life and making sure that those things don't become my idol or what I worship. And even things that we don't enjoy. I mean, how many people have you met who always complain about their job or they complain about whatever and they, they're, they're professing believers, but yet their focus is always on X, Y, and Z. You know, politics, uh, the world, uh, their house, their job. I mean, you see that their conversation becomes more about that and less about Christ. And I think I find that battle all the time in the world that we live in and the trials and the tribulations of the world. Those things can become what consume me um, rather than, okay, Jesus is on the throne. We're okay. He's still moving. He's still working. I'm on his team. Harold. Harold. 
So <clears throat> becoming a Christian gives us freedom. Correct. And so, but we often say, well, uh, I have to give this up. Well, it's not a mandate okay. because we do have freedom, but we, being a Christian changes our viewpoint on things. Right. right. And so the yeah. former life, the former things that you did, right. don't have the value, don't have the purpose that they did. So you bring up an interesting term that we should clarify. Freedom. When, when Jesus gives you freedom, freedom from what? Sin. Okay. Self. Okay, so freedom from sin, right? You are no longer bound. Those things that... Right. So even though, to your point, Harold, there might be something that you're like, oh, I have to give it up. Well, you don't have to. But if it's a sin for you, God has removed that penalty from you, and now you don't have to do it. Um, which I think is sometimes where we get into weirdness with what we call free will, um, is that really the, the, the free will comes in after we're saved. Because before, we have no will but to sin. That's, that's all we can do. Now that we're believers, we feel in the middle of this battle, right, between the flesh and the spirit. And now, if you want to call it this, um, we have a choice. Am I going to listen to the Holy Spirit? Am I going to follow? Or am I going to give in? Um, and that's the battle again. And then we get into that where that determines in weirdness whether or not we're spiritual or not. You know, that's not the issue. The Holy Spirit is working constantly creating in you the, the newness and the new life in Christ. Um, we're still, though, tempted and, and, and always struggling with the things of this world and the flesh that is, you know, as we get older, um, you know, more of a problem. <laughs> so, um, so if we look at Mark chapter 1, uh, let's just really recap on 20... Um, 27 and 28, well, we'll go to 26. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, and said, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So, why is it important to note the reaction to the people who witnessed this. Because they would only then use the Pharisee teaching, yep. which is strictly a legalistic interpretation of the world and not in the Right. <coughs> oh, here, you have to have, well, you have, to have would, a cookie. I mean, driving up spirits. Okay. Healing. You have to. Boy, this guy is something. <laughs> we better come and see what this is all about. And they recognize that authority that the scribes and the Pharisees weren't displaying. So there was something about what he said. And it's not just what he said, because remember, they, they recognize his authority in what he taught. And then he showed his authority in what he did. And so, you know, it's one thing. And I think, again, we see that pattern in Christ's life. Uh, you know, he says to somebody, your sins are forgiven you. And they're like, well, who can forgive sins? Okay, fine, then get up and walk. I mean, I don't think he has that attitude, but the whole point is, if he's saying that what my word is matters most. What I say, and that's the authority, and then he proves his authority over and over again because we're slow, right? We need, we need a little help uh, from time to time. And then his, his, his fame spread. So why is it important to note 
the people's reaction, and how does that correlate to his fame, his fame being spread throughout all the region of Galilee? Scripture is being fulfilled. Okay. Oh. Okay. You guys are... You spread the good news all over that there was a God. Okay, a so... Being. Yeah. So the pattern is, man, they experience Christ, and they see his authority, and they tell others about it. And again, that's the same, same thing with, with us. We experience Christ and his authority and his goodness, and, and we share it with others. I, yeah, I just think that he, that shows his heart that he wants us to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be involved in that work of the world being changed mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, and so I think that, that it's important for us to note there are two reactions to Christ. Uh, the unclean spirit, convulsing, shouting, screaming, and, and running away, bless you, versus uh, those who see it and receive the message, and they go and they share the message. Um, you know, the challenge that I think we have today is what, what I would call um, is neither of those reactions is just which really is one action of the other, is, is just apathy. You know, that's, you know, that's great for you. That's your truth. Awesome. But it's not my truth, and eh, I don't care. I mean, they don't, they don't... We have a lot of people, and even in the church, I find that we have people who, I'm glad I'm baptized, I'm glad I received the forgiveness of sins, but that's kind of as far as the, the life in Christ goes. Um, because, again, they're resisting sometimes this change. And, and, you know, if you come from legalistic backgrounds, which, like I had, um, you do, the, the message of the gospel is a change. You know, he's going to radically disrupt your life and change everything that you like. That's, that's pretty much what it says. And you're going to be better for it. Well, even though that's true, I'm going to be better for it, it doesn't mean that, you know, how about Jesus loves you? He wants to forgive you of all your sins and let Jesus do the rest of the work, right? Nobody wants the hard part of the equation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because Jesus says, I, you know, uh, it's not an exact quote, but it's, I did not come to bring peace. Right. I came to bring disruption. Mm-hmm. But in our society today, we want, we want the peace. Right. And we don't want the disruption. And peace is passed as... Uh, are being passive and tolerant and yet not tolerant and all the same time I I had a buddy over there says I want we want the we want uh, the crown without the cross Mm -hmm. I was just thinking over there as I'm circling through Revelation every chapter every day just to refresh myself and and whatnot but it it talks about the glorious thing of what Christ is bringing us into the uh, I'm not to serve it's it's an act of mercy and love to sit there and and, uh, shed the the shell of unbelief and fear and and so we can be in a place of receiving what he has uh, what John saw I'm in awe of of just the revelation he gives John but I was just going to say in our own lives over there we tend to walk in fear walk in uh, fear of loss you know instead of uh, saying hey I get to do this it's like oh what am I going to do to replace it well God is faithful to give us joy when he, when he replaces something. Typically, I have never found he's replaced it with something glorious. Well, and even if you're in a pattern of misery, 
Okay. You, it's familiar. Yeah. You know, and that's then that's the challenge we have with a lot of people. I I know that my life should be better, mm -hmm. and I know I'm missing out, but at least I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. Because, you know, coming to Jesus means I don't know what that looks like, right? How many times have you, even as a Christian, faced moments in your life where you're like, I don't know what this next season holds for me. And so we have to go back to, but I know who God is. Right? right? And I think that Gene's been a living example of that over the last few weeks. You know, I don't know, but I know that God's good. And God has given you that faith because it's not normal, right? I mean, it's not normal to say, hey... I have cancer and I'm having surgery sooner rather than later and most people would freak out about it and not that you haven't had those moments at least that you've told us but but you, God's giving you a peace and a faith that is not from this world. Yeah. And I were talking about it last night and Blessings, and, and one of the first ones that pops up is my health. <laughs> 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 the bush last night, and there's a lot of uncertainty, and at times I want to just reach out and scream, not because I have cancer, just because I don't know what the plan is going mm -hmm. forward. Right. But I have a tremendous amount of peace, just like when he had his heart incident back in 03. When I had him in the emergency room, I knew without a shadow of a doubt he was going to be okay. My only concern was how do you live moving forward right. from this mm -hmm. event. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that can be very challenging for mm -hmm. people. You're a pick on men, especially men, because a lot of times men's almost complete identity is wrapped up in what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. well, self, right? And I think that's what it boils down to for all of us. Any of us. Oh, okay. For any of us, <laughs> it boils down to either it's we live by self or we live by being owned, right? He tells us that he is master. He is Lord. Our lives are not our own. The, I mean, the fact that we can, we don't think about breathing, right? Because our bodies just naturally do it. But well, that's, that's been given to us. With yesterday about reflexes. That's <laughs> been given to us. You know, that's a gift. So uh, I think that's where it just really boils down to. And it does seem very, very simple, very elementary, but it is. That's what it is. <clears throat> Either we say, okay, Lord, my life is yours, and you are master, and you choose this life for me, and I will walk with you in it, or... We're constantly fighting him against the, all that he wants for us because, no, this doesn't follow my plan. But he wins. Well, rather than operate as a physiological level, we operate at the emotional mm -hmm. and thought level, which is flight or fright. If you just take a basic biology, psychology course, mm -hmm. that's where your world starts. You either run from it or you fight it. So those being the choices, right. the self-individual, has to figure out what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. I was thinking along the lines that of, in, of Peter, First Peter, and that you get the Spirit and then you begin to receive what that Spirit gives you, and it gives you confidence, mm -hmm. a growth. You stay in the Word, education, and you become a more loving individual which would be the growth that you want to come out of mm -hmm. the experience 
difficult thing to do because I find myself constantly in the turmoil of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't avoid that in any way, shape, or form. Um, yes. The world. The world. Yes. Yeah, you're in it. And it's a lousy world today because it doesn't want anything to do with Christ, God, or anything else. It just wants to have a good day. Amen. Well, and it's interesting, you know, you can try, like we went camping Thursday afternoon, Friday, and uh, so you're trying, you know, some of the things about camping is you do get away from the world, you know, it's kind of a nature, but yet... Well, unless you listen to her stuff. Right, <laughs> right, but yet, across, across the next campground, which was, you know, 50 yards or so, there was arguing, const- constantly, and... and uh, certain smells like skunk that wafted over towards Ark. I'm like, what am I, in California again? What's going on here? So, you know, you can't get away from it, and then you can't get away from yourself either, because wherever you go, there you are, is how the phrase goes. So, um, But I think it's good for us to gather like this. It's important for us to, to when we're going through what I call faith-defining moments, because the Holy Spirit loves us enough, and you, you never sit there and blame God for everything that happens, but He uses the, the things in this life as moments of, of okay, so you're going to press into me, like run toward me, or are you going to run away? Um, and because His Spirit is so good, um, I would say most often you find people turning toward him and running toward him and growing and then they look back and go if it were not for that and Psalm uh, 7 no mm-hmm. 119.67 says it was good for me to be afflicted for I learned to obey your commandments mm-hmm. and it's like it's my life first by the way so yeah. <laughs> if you want to know who I am <laughs> but it was good for me because you know, I, you know otherwise I had to I have to continually come to the point where I have nothing, as Paul said, good in me that is in the flesh. So anything that's good is the Lord. And, and he reminds me of that often, even with pain and, and stuff of, of body aches and whatnot. It, I'm reminded how dependent I always am upon the Lord. And, uh, and it's tough that we have to go through some of the other lessons that we have to go through to realize how much your, what is it that Steve you saw, says to people in jail, your best thinking got you here. <laughs> you know? and, and, sometimes, and sometimes, you know, my best thinking that, you know, that, that comes to mind, yep, that got me in trouble there. But, but God, God is so good and so gracious. Um, so let's, uh, th- let's pick up lesson six. And Mark 1, 29 through 31, would someone be kind enough to read that for us? Okay, so um, this is immediately after. So he cast out demons, and now he's going and healing someone who is sick. Um, so what can we learn from the action of the family, though, of Simon and Andrew concerning Simon's mother-in-law? Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's important, right? Uh, I've shared this with before. I served with the pastor several years ago, and you know, people, you know, well, people he knew well would say, "Hey, you know, can we pray for this?" And and he would say, "Has it finally come to that?" <laughs> you know. But the point is, like, how often do we try, especially when it comes to a common cold or an illness, how often do we try other things um, before we pray? Now, usually, I'll try those other things. And I'll pray, Lord, help this work. <laughs> um, but I think the, the point is well taken. They told, they told Jesus about it. You, you know, when, um, when you shared with us that you were going to the doctor, you know, my first reaction wasn't, well, have you tried, you know, this or this? My first reaction was, man, I got to take you to Jesus because I have, this is beyond my, my ability. Um, and, and that's the same with, with most of us. Everything is beyond our ability. And so often, though, we try to do it ourselves. Um, and not that we're not intelligent, and not that God hasn't given us great insight and great brains and all those good things, but ultimately, if we have the revelation to do something or that works, it's still because he gave us the ability to do that. But they take, uh, immediately they tell Jesus about the mother-in-law of Simon, later to be called Peter. Um, and if you go to uh, Israel, you can actually go to the foundations and the areas where this actually happened. So it's kind of cool. Yes, Steve. What if that was a selfish act over there? Maybe she was a, uh, the queen bee of the house and uh, nothing was getting done. And they told Jesus because they, it's just immediately she got up and she served them. Yeah, there's another application to that, though. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to be a smart. I, well, you're not trying. No <laughs> success. <laughs> yeah. So what hinders us from notifying notifying Jesus immediately when infirmities appear? Unnatural sinful nature. Yep. Which would be to turn to the self and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Amen. And there are a lot of people who revel in illness. Yeah. Why? There's, because they can get sympathy. Okay, it, it goes back to self again, right? All the attention's on me. You know, there's some people who are so humble, I'm going to put it this way, that all they do is talk about themselves and how humble they are, right? <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, you know, and, it, and it's like, you know, that's, that's, or they talk about themselves and, you know, self-deprecating and whatnot, and it's, it's almost like um, reverse, what was described to me by one pastor is reverse humility. You know, or, re, or reverse pride. You know, whatever you want. It's, it's pride. However you look at it, we talk about ourselves. And it's nothing wrong to talk about ourselves. A lot of times you can t- share what you've gone through and your experiences in life um, and definitely how the Lord has met you in those. And that's very encouraging to other people. Um, you know, there are people who have expertise that, that because of their, their job experience, their life work, uh, their education, that we should talk to them about certain things. But ultimately, it still goes back to Jesus. How does the response of Simon's mother-in-law inspire or instruct our walk? Forgive me, I didn't see that. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> <Forgive> no. <laughs> That's what happens when you're just a, a, being a smart <laughs> Forgive me, Ann. forgive me, everyone. I didn't. Smart Alex, don't read ahead. No, <laughs> but how? What's her response? Serve, serve. Okay. 
And, and I think that, yeah, I've heard, you know, that joke often. We talk about, oh, man, no one else could cook, and they needed, some, they needed a meal. So Jesus is like, I better heal this lady so that we can, <laughs> we can have some food. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> I think it goes back to what you were saying about how, you know, once the life is changed by Christ, there should be this difference that we see where others and others' needs yep. become more important than our own, right? We, we seek to, to better the lives of those around us um, because we know what the Lord, who the Lord is and what he is doing and what he's up to and what he's going to do. Yeah, and I think that, that when we look at it, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You guys will get tired of hearing it, but, um, you know, God didn't save us to sit. He saved us to send us. And so, and, and he didn't come, right, to, uh, to be served. He came to serve the world with his life and salvation. And so that is something that, that we follow in his footsteps. And if, our, if we're being given the new life in Christ, then his very spirit, the very spirit of Christ is now dwelling within us, that is going to be one that serves, one that looks at the needs of others, one that, that you know, we'll look at Philippians chapter 2, consider the needs of others above your own, or, you know, better than you. It's, by the way, the best advice for marriage ever. Um, so, you, you know, what's the need of my spouse above my own? And if you have two spouses doing that, by the way, you have a successful marriage. Not that there's not hiccups along the way. If you have um, churches, church bodies doing that, how can I serve one another and glorify Christ in this? You have a healthy, healthy body. And so we're blessed to have that. I really think we care about one another. And I think that care is growing. I mean, I'm seeing it. It's fun to, to watch how we really are concerned about one another. So, Bonnie. Um, and on the flip side, another backhanded pride thing for mm. people who won't receive the offer, the, the gift of giving, mm. that's, that is just deathly. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to deal with somebody who won't receive that. And it's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard sometimes to receive stuff because you're, you're you know, but yet when you, when you reject that gift, you're actually, you know, ripping off that person of the joy of serving you and of blessing you. You do a good job on that with the prayer request over there. How many times did, when you see answered prayer, the joy that brings you, someone that is in trouble, cancer, or uh, hopelessness, or and the need gets met through the yellow cards or whatever we do every Sunday, it doesn't take many times to start seeing the the, the, the hope and the, the glory of the Lord minister with encouragement where you get more bold. Well, that just comes from years in church where we had prayer after prayer after prayer for years and years and years, and no one ever talked about <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> you know, big, you know, good recovery for you. Uh, you know, these other things that we've seen. What do you do with Cali? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you go in an operation, good chance of success, but there's no guarantee. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, as we pray for Gene and whatnot, I'm, I'm confident the Lord's got his hand on it. Yep. But you made an interesting comment. Oh, boy. down in serving is a growth experience. So you go out in public and you go to some place you want to get something to eat, you get lousy service, you see how badly it is. Serving is a growth experience. Because we experience the non-growth all the time. 
Yeah, Amen. yeah, no, that's good. I, I'll, I'm going to rip that off. So whatever you interpret it, I'm going to go, I'm going to turn it around. I'll take that. You're uh, welcome to it. Yeah. I have no ownership. And then added to that, how do we respond to poor servants? Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend that would put a penny in the bottom of his glass jar and then stick the, the napkin on top of it. At the railroad, not very nice. They had a coffee shop over there where they. I learned a lesson over there. With she gave, she was incredibly. She hated the railroaders. They were cheap and and arrogant. And I learned a lesson right off the bat. We had poor service. I gave her a five dollar tip. When I came back a half an hour later, she was right there with my coffee. It was amazing what a five dollar tip will do. I mean, we're talking. You know, when you come in the opposite spirit, man. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that the challenge we have to, to that point, Gary, and, and to what you're saying, Bonnie, is that, that service requires sacrifice. Mm. You, you know, I always want to do something else. Mm. You know, I don't have to serve. But just like Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And, and he served us at the cost of his life. And so can I be momentarily, you know, interrupted for a little while because I have to serve somebody? You know, that's the wrong attitude too, by the way. But, <laughs> but, but the idea is that we're always, when, we, when it goes to serving somebody, it usually means I am sacrificing something, whether it be time, whether it be money, whatever it might be. Um, there, you're always sacrificing something to serve somebody else. But I find when you're walking in the spirit, you don't look at it that way. It's your joy to serve other people. Well, let's do this. This is great. Um. And maybe talk about it and I phased out with the cards. But when you when you when somebody gives to you, it may be they get a lot of joy out of that. And when we reject other people's service to us, it can um be disheartening. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember years ago there was a guy I worked with who had metal pants, and I don't know what his problem, you know, the cause of his problem. Um, he was severely disabled, but it was I can do it myself, and I offered to hold the door for him or something like that, and you know he just jumped all over me, and I remember saying to him. You know, I can I can open my own car door, but it gives my husband great pleasure to do that. So I allow him to do that. And then fast forward, I was walking in the store the other day, and there was an elderly woman getting ready to get into one of the carts. And there was a thought that crossed my mind. Well, maybe I should see if she needs help. But then I remembered. <laughs> you had a little. <laughs> so previous experience can jade what you do yeah, in the future. And, and you know, it's like for Bush. I mean, I can open my own door. That's not a big deal. But when he's not around, you do it. Yeah, but I mean, it's his pleasure. <laughs> and if I rejected, you know, like so many women in our culture today, well, I can open my own door. Well, yeah, you can, but. 
I reserve opening the door for Laura about every five years, so it's a nice surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually because we're with somebody else, and I thought I was sitting on that side. So, no. This is why I didn't make it happen. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how the passenger door works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let somebody read uh, verse 32 through 34, and we'll get a little taste of this before we end for the day. That, Go ahead. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and were oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So we see a picture of, of what ails the world today, right? Infirmities and demons. And we don't like to talk about demons. We talked about this before. It's a weird thing for us to think about. But we are in a spiritual battle. And I think it's difficult for us because we, we get mad at, was it Flip Wilson who said the devil made me do it, right? Well, that's not always the answer, but at the same time, the devil has his minions that are influencing you to try to do things. Um, also, they're messing with your mind. They're, they're, those who are in Christ, let me rephrase that, do not have this problem. Okay, we have been renewed. That we the, the guardian of our souls has taken residence in us. He's our shield, our defender. Um, so most of the things that we deal with come from outside of the new creation in Christ. So even in the body, though, we still have infirmities in the body that we deal with. There's still a mental illness that we deal with. And I'm not saying every mental illness is, is a demonic activity. But I think there is probably more than we would like to admit that is happening in the spiritual realm with people than just needing a therapist or diazepam or something. Um, and, you know, I'm all for those therapies if, if they make sense. Uh, but I, at the same time, I think we immediately run to the pharmacy and we look at um, the word rebellion, in, especially in Revelation, and it can be translated pharmakia and also witchcraft. So it's very interesting when you look at people who are rebellious against the Lord, <laughs> how much of that is just the, the, the act of rebellion and the enemy playing with them and them being used. So we don't want to get too much more into that, but why is it important to note the healing ministry of Jesus? fulfillment of scripture okay it's great that's i mean that's true um on a practical level why is it important to know okay yeah I mean, isn't this what Jesus came to do, was to restore, was to reconcile man to God? And so this is the physical representation of what he does for every one of us spiritually. Uh, you know, God did not give you a, a, a spirit of, of timidity, right? He gave a, one of sound mind. Um, and that's why Paul talks about, you know, having your mind renewed. 
um, and that that's what we have the mind of Christ he tells us and so we look at these things and and so the, again we see this physical representation he's healing people sick casting out demons um, this does not mean that these people that had this happen to them are saved now chances are they're going to follow Christ after that we see that happen often but not everybody does after they're healed I mean, the ten lepers nine didn't come back one did Harold. So, <clears throat> Jesus healed them, but they still died. I mean, in other words, Fair enough. he did one thing in, the, in his earthly ministry and their earthly bodies that, um, yeah, it was prophesied, of course, but it also gave him, his ultimate was preaching and telling them what he really came to do for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, to heal their bodies is one thing, but that's not, that wasn't the ultimate reason he came. Right. He came to save them. It's a foreshadow, right? Yeah, it's a foreshadow. Well, but again, they, their healing lasted a time, and right. then they got sick again, or they died. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I sort of look at the purpose of this stuff in the Bible, mm -hmm. and, you know, that old saying about, you know, the guys all talk and no action. I think that those types of things that are in the Bible will probably help a person or two or whatever or impress the crowd. That's what the purpose was to make sure that today, two thousand years later, two thousand years later, that we have seen actions, not just words. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's again proving that authority that that he's talking with authority. And then he's proving it with his actions. We get so distracted, well, I mean, sorry. I mean, when you think about what Harold said, the significance isn't so much that that person is probably five years more or a right. minute more or whatever, but it was a, some action that was done mm -hmm. for people to look at today mm -hmm. or and after that or at that time. Sure. That there's more to it than just a bunch of words. Right, and then ultimately to eternal life, because, uh, you, you know, he, that was another, he said, hey, I'm going to rise again, and he did. You, know, you were saying over there, uh, back a, a while back over there, they didn't have immediate care over there. I imagine if you're sick, you have this or that, there was probably no guarantee you were going to make it through it. It could get worse. No, look at that lady for 12 years, you know, hemorrhaging. That's a good yeah. point. I, I, spending all of her money even then yeah. Yeah. to try and find... Yeah. Physical relief. I'm kind of a, a pain, uh, uh, I, I'm stop right there. pain, and I oh. just want to tell you, you know, I run to the aspirin thing over there in a heartbeat. I'm just thinking if you were back in those days trying to get relief, if you had a malady, you know, it probably was appreciated. Jesus could come over there and just say, it's gone, and just go, yeah. thank you. Harold, you made me think immediately of, of Lazarus, right? <laughs> so he died, and yeah. then Jesus raises him, but you know he's going to die again, right? I, I mean, in fact, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like, <laughs> plotted, how can we kill him? And it made me, that always makes me laugh, but Jesus raised him from the dead, so anyway, but, but he, but, <laughs> uh, they're not in their right mind, all right. All right, we'll pick up uh, some, some more importance about the healing ministry of Jesus next week. Father, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for the joy that we have. Thank you for uh, uh, showing us, not only in word, uh, what you say, Lord, but then indeed you, you actually do what you say and giving actually more uh, 
credibility to who you are. So Lord, we know it's by your Holy Spirit, by faith that we believe, but Lord, you give us the evidence clearly. And for that, we are just grateful. We just pray that others would receive that. We pray that you would just continue to bless. We do lift up uh, those who are dealing with infirmities. Lord, we lift them up to you. Please touch them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.